Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Because of who you are, I, I give the glory. Thank you, Lord. How many of you feel the presence of the Lord in this place? Thank you, Lord. How many of you say, that's my testimony? Because of who you are, I give you glory. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Well, good afternoon, Kingdom Embassy. Good afternoon. So good to be in the house of the Lord once again. And so good to see so many smiling uh, faces and so many uplifted spirits. Amen. In fact, how many of you know you're not here by coincidence or accident? God has brought you out to the house of the Lord on this day. And there is a word from the Lord. How many need a word from the Lord? Amen. Want to first of all just uh, thank the Lord for Pastor Arthur Duran. Amen. Mighty man of God. And First Lady Ardina Durham. Kingdom Embassy, God has blessed you with great leadership. And I consider uh, Kingdom Embassy to be my uh, church family in Muskegon. Amen. Every time I come, I always feel like I am at home. So excited to be here with you and so thankful that my wife, uh, Minister Cynthia Carr, was able to make the trip uh, with me. We celebrated our uh, sixth anniversary actually this past Friday. So, so we're so thankful uh, to the Lord on today. And I got a word that I want to share with you today that I am excited about. I think it's a word for the people of God in this hour. Really every hour, but I, I think this word that we're going to hear today, we really need to hear it. And so let me ask God's blessing and we'll jump right into it. Let's pray together. Dear Heavenly Father, we just thank you for another opportunity to be in the house of the Lord. We thank you for the fellowship of the saints. We thank you for the people of God called Kingdom Embassy. And we recognize, oh God, that there is a special calling on the life of this church. That you have a work for this church to do. And even as 2022 comes to a close and we are on the threshold of 2023, Lord, we believe that 2023 is going to be the best year yet. It's going to be the most impactful year yet. And so, Holy Spirit, we say, speak a word to us on this day that would prepare our hearts and prepare our minds for what you have in store for this church. Holy Spirit, have your way in our midst. The prayer is, is that none of us will leave the same way that we have come. Holy Spirit, we say, be the great teacher in our midst. Comfort the afflicted. Afflict the comfortable. Allow the words of our mouths and the meditations of our hearts to be acceptable in thy sight. O Lord, our strength and our redeemer. In Jesus' name we pray and let the people of God say amen, amen, and amen. The title of our message today is Building a Strong Foundation of Hope in God. Building a Strong Foundation of Hope in God. And our prayer is, Lord, help us to develop a high-level, all-in trust in God. A high level and an all-in trust in God. Uh, we have a lot going on in the world around us. We're living in very challenging times. As most of you are aware of, we are still in the midst of a global pandemic, which has radically impacted 
has radically changed the world. On the negative side, we know that millions of lives have been lost as a result of the COVID-19 virus. The implications of it are far-reaching in terms of our education system and really some areas that we still know nothing about as it relates to our health, uh, et cetera, et cetera. But uh, these are unique times. In addition to that, uh, some troubling things going on around us in our society, an epidemic of mass shootings. Uh, our children are going back to school, and I know for many of them, they are very apprehensive, to say the least, and some of them are actually fearful uh, because of some of the incidences uh, that occurred at the end of the last school year, in particular, uh, the school sh uh, shooting in Texas, in Uvalde, uh, how tragic that was. And so there are many school administrators and many teachers and students who are apprehensive and who, quite frankly, don't want to go back to school. Uh, we're also dealing with the uh, war in Ukraine still. Again, the list goes on and on and on, not to mention if you were able to stand up and talk about what's going on in your personal life, the concerns that parents have about their children and those of you who are married. And so we got so much going on, and the question becomes, what shall we do? And I believe today's message is the answer to the problems of the world, and that is that we need to learn how to trust in God with all our heart. We thank God for the government, what I like to call the little G, but let me be honest with you, they don't have the answers. We got to look to the big G. We got to look to the God of the universe for the answers to the issues that we're dealing with. The government has a role to play, don't get me wrong. But the government doesn't have the answers to the problems of your family. The government doesn't have the answers to the problems of this world. Only the God of the universe has the answer, and he's given us those answers. Next slide. He's given us the answers in Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. He says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Not some of your heart, not most of your heart, but all of your heart. And then next he tells us how we do that. You say, well, how do I do that? Because many of us know uh, that that's the standard, that we need to trust in God with all our heart, but we haven't figured out how to do that yet. What's the answer? We've got to learn how to not lean to our own understanding. That's what is getting us in trouble, amen? Some of us think we got life figured out. Some of us think we know more than we actually know. Too many of us think more highly of ourselves than we ought. In fact, let me be honest with you today. Some of us, if the truth was told, we think we know more than God, don't we? Oh, wouldn't it be nice if God just stopped by your address and had a little talk with you in terms of how, what he should do to run the universe? Come on now, you know that's how some of us think. Uh, to be honest with you, if I was God, if I was God, I would do things totally differently, to be honest with you. That's why I'm glad I'm not God. If I was God, only good people would get good things and bad people would get bad things. Does that make sense? That makes a whole lot of sense to me. If I was God, uh, good women would get good men. And good men would get good women. <laughs> if I was God. Right? But it's a good thing that I'm not God because his ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. His ways and his thoughts is higher than ours. See, the reason we struggle with trusting in God is because we think we know better. But he says what? Lean not to your own understanding. And what did he say in verse number 6? In all thy ways do what? Acknowledge him, and he shall what? Direct thy paths. And so I was really praying. I was like, Lord, what can I do to have an all-in? 
high-level trust in you? What's the answer for the people of God as we wrestle and as we take uh, this journey where we're in the midst of some challenging things and still we have to trust in God? And I think the answer is in Matthew chapter 7. They are very familiar passage of scripture. It is referred to uh, by the experts as the uh, parable of the wise and foolish builder. And I think in this parable, we get the answer to what we can do to take our trust in God to the next level. Is it anybody who want to trust God more today? Take your trust to the next level. Let me read this real quickly. Matthew chapter 7, verse 24. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and put them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. Let me insert in the place of house trust. Hear me and hear me good. Like a wise man who built his house, who built his trust on a rock. It goes on and says, the rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against the house, or let me insert in there again, again the trust. Yet it did not fall. The trust in God did not fall. Why? Because it had its foundation on a rock. It goes on and shares the flip side, verse number 26. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man. Say foolish man who built his house or his trust on sand. The rain came down and the streams rose and the winds blew and beat against the house and it fell with a great crash. Here's the point that Jesus is sharing. The storms of life will come, right? Storms will come. Tough times will come. Make no mistake about it. It's coming. And the question at the end of the day is, what kind of trust do you have? Do you have a sandy kind of trust? Or do you have a rock-solid trust in God? See, we can't control many times what goes on around us, but God has given us the answer to living a victorious Christian life. God has given us the answer to fulfilling the will of God for our life, and that is, he says, look here, folks, trust in me. What's the answer when your marriage is struggling? Trust in me. What's the answer when your children are acting like they don't have no sense and like you haven't raised them right? Trust in me. What's the answer when you get the bad doctor's report and they tell you that you have an illness that can alter the course of your life? Trust in God. What's the answer when, you, when your job tells you in the midst of pandemic when you can least afford to lose your job that, that your time is up? Trust in me. Trust in God. Let me give you a definition. Here, here's what I want to do with the time that I have remaining. I want to give you a, de, a definition of divine trust because real, many of us really doesn't we don't know what that means. What is that divine trust? We think we know, but we really don't know. And then I want to uh, conclude my message by giving you what I call developers of divine trust. So I want to give you a definition, and then I want to give you some developers. How do you go from where you are to where you need to be? Does that make sense? Next slide. Uh, starting with the definition, I want to use this acronym that's very memorable. The definition of divine trust is this. Totally relying upon scriptural truth. Think about that. What does it mean to trust in God? It means that you should totally rely upon scriptural truth. Does that make sense? Now, look at the gray shaded area there below if you can see it. Not scientific truth, not social truth, not self-truth. See, one of the reasons why many of us have not been relying, uh, uh, trusting in God is because we've been relying on self-truth. We've been leaning to our own understanding. We think we got life figured out. You, you know what people like to say, well, what about my truth? 
Well, guess what? Don't nobody care about your truth. <laughs> Self-truth is not going to get you very far. We got to rely on scriptural truth. I thank God for science, but how many of you know science is only going to get you so far? I thank God during this pandemic, initially, Dr. Fauci, how many of you remember him? He, he was trying to tell us what was going on scientifically, and he was doing his best, but how many of you know he was still trying to figure it out himself? All along, God knew exactly what was going on. And God knew exactly what we needed to do during a global pandemic. We need to what, do what? Trust in him with all our heart. And so again, the definition of divine truth, totally relying upon scriptural truth. Uh, next slide. Let, 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 let me just talk about this definition a little bit more, just to help you out. Next slide. Because many of us have our own perspective of what it means to trust God. Next slide, please. Trusting God is the revolutionary and transformational mindset and habit, hear me and hear me good, that every true believer must embrace that thinks, talks, and tries, get this now, get this, like God knows exactly what he is doing. That's trusting in God. How I many of you know God knows exactly what he is doing? That's why James says, count it all joy when you go through diver temptations, for the testing of your faith is going to produce some things. Get this, I, I, I'm trying to describe trust to you, that God has everything under control. Some of you need to hear me today and hear me good because you're going through some stuff in your life and you're fearful and you're anxious and you need to be reminded today that God got everything under control. Oh, yes, he does. It goes on to say, whether it looks like it or not, that the God of the universe, I love this, folks, he superintends all the affairs of the universe on some level. That like in the story of Job, God in his sovereignty either authorizes or allows all the occurrences of life. I'm describing to you what it means to trust in God. Whether we understand it or not. Get this. Whether we agree with it or not. What about this one? Whether we want it or not. <laughs> we trust that what? That God knows best. That God knows exactly what he's doing. Get this, that God is up to something, and what he's up to is good. You say, well, 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 when it's all said and done, and if you don't remember anything that I said today, I want you to remember this, that the number one key to trusting in God is the Romans 8.28 perspective. All things work together for the good. For those who love the Lord, and for those who are called according to his purpose, Get this, all things mean all things. The good and the bad and the ugly works together for the good. The mad and the sad and the glad works together for the good. You say at the end of the day, how am I going to trust in God with all my heart? You got to believe that with all your heart. That some way, somehow, it's going to work together for the good. See, that's why you trust him when it's all said and done. That bad doctor's report is going to work together for the good. The condition of cancer is going to work together for the good. That painful loss that you had is going to work together for the good. You say, well, that don't make any sense to me. It's a mystery. We don't know how it's going to happen, but we what? We trust in God. That when it's all said and done, that God is up to something good. That everything is going to work together for the good. Do you believe that? Do you believe that? We got to start living like it. See, in the midst of your storm, when the storms come, because you truly have trust in God, you're able to keep a smile on your face. You're able to keep joy in your heart. And when all the people around you are panicking, 
You don't have to panic. Why? Because you trust in God. What does it mean to trust in God? It means that you believe that God is who he says he is and that he's going to do what he says he will do. Next slide. And so now with the time that I have remaining, I want to get real practical, real practical. I want to give you some developers of divine trust. How do you go from where you're at to the next level and to the next level and to the next level? I don't know about you, but I want to grow in my trust in God so much that I hear him say, well done, my good and faithful servant, well done. I want to be able to impact the lives of others in my circle of influence because as they know what I am going through, they can see that I'm still rock solid. I, I'm not struggling from the flaws. I call it the flaws of distrust. I love to get acronyms, right? The flaws of distrust. The F is fear. I'm not struggling with fear. The L is loathing. I'm not loathing. I'm not hating on others because of what they say and do, right? The A is anxiety, right? The W is worry. And the S is stressing. See, when you're, when you're trusting God, you don't got to worry about any of those things that up in your life and that shipwreck your calling. And so you got to trust in God. And so what's the key? What's the key? Building a strong foundation of trust. And so when it's all said and done, your ability to trust in God is going to be determined by the foundation of trust that you have. Does that make sense? Say foundation. At the end of the day, I can predict whether you're going to trust God by looking at your foundation. Right? And some of us don't know how to look at a foundation, right? We go look at a house, and we go, man, that house looks beautiful. Right? We're looking at it. We're looking at it on the outside. But we don't know what the foundation is. Right? You know, some of us, you know, we look at other people, they, their trust look beautiful. But we don't understand it's counterfeit. They're pretending to trust in God. They don't really trust in God. You say, well, how do you know? You got to be able to look at the foundation. Because again, some of our foundation is built on sand. In fact, some of us, even worse, we don't have a sandy foundation. We got a sinkhole foundation. You ever see it? I've seen it on the news where, you know, they're, they're, they're reporting on a house that just disappeared. Only to discover that it was built not on the sand, but on a sinkhole. And so, what, 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 what are the developers? Okay, number one, I'm going to use that acronym again, TRUST, right? And with the time that I have around, I'm going to give you five foundational pillars of trusting in God. The T is true thankfulness. True thankfulness. You say, well, how do I know how much trust do I have in God? That's the first place you need to look. Are you truly thankful? See, we trust in God when we are what? Truly thankful. Uh, for each, I want to give you a biblical example. I love Mr. and Mrs. Job for being truly thankful, right? Truly thankful is being genuinely grateful for who God is and what God has done in our lives. Now, let me give you a human example that hopefully you can relate to on this one. Children trust in their parents Get this now, only when they're thankful for their parents. See, when you have children who don't trust their parents, the bottom line is it's because they're not thankful like they should be for their parents. Because when they're thankful for who their parents are and what their parents have done, they will what? Trust them. That means that when their parent tells them to do something, they're going to do it. They're not going to question it because of why. I'm so thankful for my parents. And some of you are thinking, I'd love to have some children who are thankful for me. You know what? God is saying the same thing. You know that many of us treat God as our heavenly father, like our natural uh, children treat us as their human parents. 
And the reason we don't trust God as much as we should is because we are not as thankful as we should. If we're going to trust God more, we need to be more thankful. You say, well, I'm thankful. I feel thankful. Well, you feel a lot of things that's not true. <laughs> right? See, th see, this is how you know that you got true thankfulness is that in the midst of the bad times and when all is going bad, there is still this sense that I am so thankful for the God that I serve. Not the good times, but the bad times. Uh, look at this example in Job 2, 9 and 10. And you know, I, I, I really hate to throw Sister Job out there, but she, she, she just didn't trust God the way that she should, right? Uh, look at it, Job 2, verse 9, it says, His wife said to him, Miss Job said to Mr. Job, Are you still maintaining your integrity or your trust in God? And look what she told him. Curse God and die. And I love Mr. Job. He replied, you are talking like a foolish woman. I'm so glad he ain't call her a fool. He says she's talking like a foolish woman. Let me just tell you, brothers, uh, don't call your wife a fool. You're going to be in big trouble. But you can say, honey, you're talking like a foolish woman. And if she have a problem, just reference her back to Job, you know, chapter 2. He says, you're talking like a foolish woman. And here's the key. Oh, I love this. Here's the key in terms of true thankfulness. Job was truly thankful. Mrs. Job wasn't. Here's what Job says. Shall we accept good from God and not trouble? And it, look what it says about Job. In all this, Job did not sin in what he said. See, you know you're truly thankful because in the midst of trouble, you realize things could be worse. In the midst of the trouble that you're going through, you're still thankful because you know that God is up to something good. Get this now. It don't feel good, but it is good. <laughs> See, everything that feels good is not good, and everything that feels bad is not bad. It's just that your feelings haven't yet lined up with the will of God. That's all it is. And so number one, true thankfulness. If you want to become more trusting, you have to become more thankful. And one of the things you want to do in your prayer time is, Lord, give me a thankful heart. And when you're in the midst of your moments, get this, because here's the problem that many of us have with thankfulness is entitlement. We think we deserve better. I deserve better than this. Don't, don't, don't you think that sometimes? Let me tell you what you deserve. Death, hell, and the grave. But God. And so we get ourselves in trouble because we're looking at other folk. They got the promotion. I didn't. I'm smarter than them. Right? They got the man. I didn't. I look better than them. <laughs> you know how we do on the human level. We think we're entitled to something. And so we're not as thankful as we should be. Because we're comparing ourselves to others. I told uh, the leaders who were part of the training this weekend, I told them that life is not about income, it is about impact. And so we think that people who have more income and more material goods are more blessed than we are. That is not biblical, right? Okay, next slide. Let's go to the second one. The T is true Thankfulness. Let me give you the R. The R is righteous reasoning. Righteous reasoning. We must embrace and espouse a way of thinking that is biblical and healthy. Get this, from start to finish. You say, well, what will it take for me to trust in God with all my heart? I got to deal with my stinking thinking. I got to have righteous reasoning, not regular reasoning. You know how you trying to you trying to serve God and follow the Bible, and you got friends that come up to you, girl, I wouldn't deal with that. I wouldn't, I wouldn't take that. You don't have to put up with that. Because they got regular reasons, not righteous reasoning. What, what does God tell us? What's righteous reason? God says, love your enemies and pray for those 
who misuse you. That's righteous thinking, not, not regular thinking. Regular thinking is I don't have to take that. you got to take whatever God takes you through. If God's taking you through something, you got to take it like a godly man and a godly woman and understand that God has your back and that it'll be better by and by and that in the end, God is going to get the glory. It's going to work out for God's glory and your good, but that's righteous reasoning. Who's our example? The three Hebrew boys. I mean, you love the three Hebrew boys. I love that story. Look what it says in Daniel chapter 3, 16 through 18. The three Hebrew boys, righteous reason. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to him, King Nebuchadnezzar. I'm picking it up in the middle of the story. Some of you know the story. We do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able, I'm talking about righteous reasoning, he's able to deliver us from it, and he will, I said he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. And so the king is trying to get them to bow down and worship the false gods in the idols. But the three Hebrew boys are righteous men. People will try to get you to do stuff that is against the will of God in the workplace, in your friendship group. And like the three Hebrew boys, you got to stand your ground. But if you're going to do that, you got to have righteous reasoning. What did they say? They said, God will deliver us from your hand, your majesty. Verse 18, but even if he doesn't, does not, I love this part, folks. Even if he does not, we want you to know your majesty. They remained respectful, didn't it? That we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. I will not compromise my convictions to get the promotion on the job. I will not follow your patterns of unhealthy behavior to be a part of your friendship group and to be in the inner circle. I will not do that. And, and whatever you do for me, God will show up, and God will save me. But here's the righteous reasoning. But even if he doesn't, I'm not doing it. Even if he doesn't, I'm not doing it. I'm a man, and I'm a woman of integrity, and I have convictions, and I have values, and I believe the word of God, and so I'm not compromised. You know how we do. We be compromising, don't we? Lying on our taxes. You know, just to get more money. Well, you know, God didn't provide what I needed to pay my bills, and so I guess I got to go out there and figure out something for myself. You know, uh, you know, I've been trying to stay sexually, you know, pure and holy in this dating relationship, but, you know, he haven't asked me, you know, to get married yet, so I guess I got to... Uh, I guess I got to give him what he wants, I guess, because that's what I got to do. No! Right? And we're doing all kind of stuff. Instead of having righteous reasoning, which help us to trust in God, understanding he don't come when you want him, but he's always on time. Righteous reasoning. That's what causes me to trust in God. Just because people are compromising and getting promotions, I'm not going to compromise. I'm going to stick with the word of God. I'm going to trust him. I'm going to totally rely upon scriptural truth. And so the second one is righteous reasoning. We got to get our mind right. We got to put on the mind of Christ. Next slide. Let's go to the third one. I'm talking about the foundation. You say, well, how do I know I have a strong foundation of trust? Do you have true thanksgiving? Do you have righteous reasoning or do you got regular reasoning? Number three, the you is unusual understanding. We need to develop a good working knowledge of trusting God if we hope to grow at trusting him. Most of us never have taken the time to think deeply about what trusting God means and how it works. And so we need unusual understanding. My example for this is Joseph and his brothers. How many of you remember that story in the book of Genesis. Joseph and his brothers, right? You remember that story? Remember? First of all, uh, 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 the father Jacob 
favored Joseph over all his other siblings. You know that story, right? He gave him a coat of color. And they were what? Jealous. And then Joseph went to them and told them about a dream that God had given him about how successful he was going to be in his life and ruling over. And his brothers got jealous, right? And here's the thing. Joseph had unusual understanding. His brothers had usual understanding. And guess what most of us have? Usual understanding. Because here's the thing. That was Joseph's calling. That calling was from God. His brothers shouldn't have gotten jealous because their calling wasn't the same as Joseph. They had a calling too. And a part of trusting God is trusting God for who we are and what we are called to do. And not to look at our brothers and sisters and say, well, I want to be able to be in the choir and singing solos. And I, I want to have the athletic ability that gets me to go to the professional leagues and all of that. No, you got to figure out who you are and what God has called you to do. And you need to be thankful for who you are. And you need to work what you got. But his brothers had usual understanding. So they got jealous. And not only that, you know the story. They threw him in a pit. They sold him into slavery. Eventually, Joseph got put into jail of no doing of his own. But Joseph had unusual understanding. So he didn't give up. He didn't get discouraged. He believed that dream that God had given him. And God has given some of you a vision and a dream about your life. And you need to trust him. And you need to hold on to it while you're in the pit and while you're in the prison, don't give up on your dream, because like Joseph, you will end up where? In the palace. Let, let me give you, for those of you who don't know, let me give you a glimpse of Joseph's unusual understanding. After all of that went on, Joseph had his moment where he was face to face with those rascal brothers of his who threw him in a pit and sold him into slavery. And let me tell you what most of us would have done because we, we have usual understanding. It's payback time. I'm going to get me some revenge now. I have the power now. And most of us would have wielded that power in a selfish and ungodly way. It's payback time. Guards, take them away. <laughs> right? But look what Joseph said. Genesis chapter 50. Verses 19 and 20, Joseph said to them, to his brothers, he's face to face with them after many years, do not be afraid. Oh, I love this part, y'all. For am I in the place of God? First of all, unusual understanding is understanding that people will hate on you and people will mistreat you. But in terms of what happens to them, that's up to God. I I'm not in the place of God. God ultimately will decide what their punishment will be, and that's a good thing, because guess what? You hate on folk, and you mistreat on folk, and isn't it wonderful that God gets to decide what the penalty will be for you? It goes on. Listen to what, this is unusual, y'all. He says, but as for you, as for you, brothers, you meant evil against me, but listen to this, y'all. God meant it for good. In order to bring, to bring about, as of this day, to save the many people's lives. Let, let me tell you something today. Some of you have people in your life, and they're mistreating you. They're hating on you. They're being unloving to you. Like Joseph, God is up to something. God is trying to teach you something. For some of you, God is trying to prepare you for the path. He's got some extraordinary things on the horizon from you. And what do you have to do? Like Joseph, trust in him in all your heart. Lord, give us unusual understanding must be our prayer. All right, the S. I'm almost done. I'm almost done here. Developer number four is the S. Strong supplication. Trusting in God is difficult for most people. Most times we must pray, get this long and hard, to receive the help we need from God to trust in him. If you're struggling with trusting God, you want to pray. You want to talk to the God who is the object of your trust. And you want to say, Lord, I trust, but help my untrust. 
Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. Lord, right now, I want to knock them out. I want to get some revenge. I want to go B.C., Lord. That's before Christ, for those of you who don't know. I want to go. That brother was unfaithful to me. I want to key his car. I want to cut his tires. Uh, those people were gossiping about me and talking behind my back. And I want to tell them where to get off and how to get off. I, I want to let people know. See, if you're not careful, you, you'll try to revert back. You'll let people know I'm not the one to be played with. I'm not the one. But what we need to remember is that's not godly, that's worldly. You did that in the world, you don't do that in God. See, what we do in God is we love him, right? Pastor Arthur, we love him. We love him. We don't have to show him. I Get this, I used to be a gangster. <laughs> No, we need to pray our way through. Lord, I don't want to disappoint you in this moment. Lord, I want to remain godly in this moment. What about this one? Lord, I don't want to embarrass the kingdom in this moment. Folk on your job tell me, I thought they'd go to church. I, I thought they were saved. <laughs> you know, ladies, you tying your hair back and greasing yourself up like you used to do, ready to fight. Right? See, we fight the good fight of faith. We don't fight the good fight of the flesh because we trust in God. We believe he is who he says he is. We believe he will do what he says he will do. And even if he doesn't show up like the three Hebrew boys, I will not compromise. Oh, if we could get our politicians in Washington to embrace a trust in God. Wouldn't matter whether you're Democrat or Republican or Independent. What would matter is what God thinks on that issue and on that policy. You wouldn't be partisan. You would be what? Kingdom. And so we got to pray our way through. And one of the things you got to do to pray your way through is you got to push. That's an acronym that stands for pray until something happens. You can't be like, well, I prayed and he didn't do nothing. You got to keep on praying and you got to keep on pushing and you got to keep on believing. Why? Because you're trusting God and he don't come when you want him, but he's always right on time. And the reason it's that way, because we want him to come now. We don't want to suffer. We don't want to go through. But God knows we need it to grow up in Christ, the S is strong supplication. That's Elijah, the prophet. Uh, James says he was a man just like you and I. He prayed and it did not rain, and he prayed and it did rain. But I love Hebrews 4 and 16. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace of help in a time of need. All right, final slide. The T, the second T. Is total trying. If we're going to have a good foundation of trust, if we're going to take our trust to the next level, we got to totally try. We need to give a real and concerted effort when it comes to placing our trust in God. We need to work smarter and harder at trusting God. Come on, let's be honest. The problem for many of us with trust is that we don't try hard enough. We really don't. We don't work at it hard enough. We just give it a little try and oh well, I guess I can't hold out. I guess I can't deal with it. Right? Because we're not trying hard enough. See, we got to be like the professional athlete. They're working at their craft every single day. They're practicing every single day. Kobe Bryant used to shoot a 1,000 free throws every single day because he wanted to be the best basketball player. If you want to be the best follower of Jesus, you got to try hard when it comes to trusting God. Let me tell you the secret, because some of us are not trying hard enough. Let me, let, me, let me give you the secret. you got to get to the place, get this now, where not trusting God is no longer an option. Did you hear what I said? See, the problem we have is not trusting God is an option. I'm going to try a little bit, and then I'm taking over. And I'm going to use what I know, and I'm going to call up some friends, 
because somebody's threatening you or the life of your family, and so you're going to call up uh, some of those old school friends you know to have a talk with them. That's not God's way. God's way is to trust in him. No, don't mess with my family. No, no, we're going we gonna to trust God. Uh, I had a friend who, who said to me, he remembered me from back in the day when they called me Filthy Field Dollar Bill, right? That was, that was before I got to know Christ. And he said, well, well you're a pastor now. And he says, he says, he says, and you're a man of God now. He says, but if you run into any trouble, I'm not. Just give me a call. <laughs> he said, I love you. If anybody mess with your family, give me a call. I had to let him know. I don't roll like that anymore. I don't operate like that anymore. Now I trust God. I trust God so much that if it means that I lose my life for doing right, so be it. Right? But not trusting God is no longer not an, it's not an option for me. There, there, there's no other way to do this Christian life than to trust God. Get this. Trusting God is everything. I said trusting God is everything. You're not going to get where God wants you to get unless you figure out this thing called trust. There is no shortcoming. There is no way around it. You say, why are you going through what you're going through? Because God is setting you up and trying to teach you how to trust him. And so we're going to close. We're going to close. And as we close, uh, here's my, my challenge to you. I want to give you a trusting God challenge. I want to give you a challenge. Because here's the thing. You don't go to the next level unless you're honest with yourself about yourself. You know, if you're struggling, look here, God already know it. <laughs> you just need to admit it. You know. And so here's the challenge. I want you to identify three areas. For those of you who are in the training, what's the three about? One for the Father. One for the Son. One for the Holy Ghost. I want you to identify your top three areas where you struggle with trusting God. I call them your spiritual STDs, struggling trust deficits. And we all got them. What's your three areas? I want you to identify them. Then I want you to put them before God in prayer and say, Holy Spirit, show me how to overcome these spiritual STDs, these spiritual struggling trust deficits. Lord, in the next year, help me to overcome this and to conquer this in Jesus' name. Come on, let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise. And so at this time, we want to conclude with an altar call. Uh, for those of you who are online uh, viewing or if you're in person, if God has spoken to you uh, in a way that you need to make a commitment as relates to trust, maybe your thing is you don't have a relationship with God. You haven't given your heart uh, to the God of the universe. Today is a mighty good day to do that. Again, for those of you who are watching online and in person, uh, we want to give an opportunity to respond to the word if you feel so moved. And so salvation is the first response. If you don't know him, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. Secondly is rededication. Maybe some of you, though you're in church, though you're watching it, uh, but if you were to be honest, you backslid and you went away from God and your trust in him has been heavily affected by that. And you're saying like the story of the prodigal son, look here, the Lord is saying it's time for me to come back, to rededicate yourself to the Lord. So salvation, number one. Number two, rededication. And then number three, church membership. You need to be connected to a Bible-believing, Bible-teaching, Bible-living church. You need to be a part of a group of people that you fellowship with on a regular basis. And so if that is a, a desire, again, uh, just let someone know. So salvation, rededication, Maybe you need to respond in terms of church membership. And then finally, prayer. If you need prayer at the end of service, I'm going to be up here along with some other folk, and we're going to make ourselves available to touch and agree uh, with you 
on that matter. Amen? Come on, let's get the Lord a hand clap for praise. And then I'm going to turn it over to uh, Pastor Arthur. Amen. 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 Thank you, Pastor Phil. Isn't God amazing? Total trust in him. You got to build a solid foundation. Raise your hand if, if your foundation is in place. Amen. If it ain't, we, that's what we're here for. If it's not, we're here for you. Right? We're here to help walk you through the process. Help you with your foundation. Pastor Phil, again, thank you so very much. Uh, for the blessing this entire weekend. You have been a blessing to us. And we are absolutely grateful and thankful for you. <clears throat> so for those who are online, uh, you can just send a message. And we'll make sure we get that message. Uh, for those who are always embarrassed, they don't like to come forward. Some people are very introvert, um, like myself. Just playing. But, but if you're an introvert... <laughs> Uh, you can put it on the card. Just say that you want to rededicate your life or you want uh, to be saved um, and you don't want to come up front. You can just write that on the card and get the card to one of the connection people and we'll make sure we reach out to you. Or if you want to be a member of the church, you can put that on the card and we'll reach out and connect with you. Uh, or you want to come forward. You say, hey, I want the world to know uh, that I'm, I'm recommitting my life to the Lord or I'm joining this ministry. Then we'll be up here as well, right? So let's everybody stand. It's also a time for you to uh, make a financial contribution to the ministry. We can't do this work without you. And so we ask you uh, to trust in God with your financial resources. We also, we always trust God in a lot of things. When it comes to our finance, we say, God, now you're all right, but you're not that all right. <laughs> right? But you got to trust him. Uh, he blessed you with the resources you have. Everything you have, believe me you, God bless you with it. Now, if you don't believe it, ask those who, who had it and they don't have it anymore. And then they ask God, say, God, please restore unto me what you took away, right? So uh, if you have it, uh, do what you can to help be a blessing to people in the community because what you do, we help be a blessing to the community. Amen? Amen. Let us bow our heads. Heavenly Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for Pastor Phil and his teaching. Thank you, Lord, for this uh, 